You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. We are so glad you took the time here to join us on Believe. I'm John Boccasino. He's Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, good morning. Hey, buddy. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you back as we are getting ready for a critical uh, stretch run here. You know, it seems like just yesterday that the Bills... Season came to an unfortunate end uh, in the divisional round of the AFC playoffs. And uh, I'm actually happy this time has kind of flown by because we actually get to talk about legitimate news uh, for the Buffalo Bills. And it's free agency. And free agency is such a fun process because teams can dream big. They can concoct all sorts of ways that their team will improve and get better in the offseason. I think Bills fans are definitely amongst the most optimistic that Brandon Bean is going to work his magic this offseason. Now, the free agency period, technically players can't sign until the new league year begins on Wednesday, March 16th. But the NFL is this glorious beast that has this beautiful phrase (laughs) called legal tampering. Yeah, we know no no one is having conversations at the scouting combine when you have agents and front office members everywhere and they're together. Not not a single word about future contracts is being discussed, right? <laughs> no, they're they're clearly going to wait until this fun legal tampering period begins at high noon on Monday, uh, March 14th, and the league year begins at 4 p.m. Eastern on March 16th. So when you see all those rapid fire deals coming out ahead of time, yeah, these teams really abided by the legal tampering, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, let's be honest here. If a player is a free agent and the season is over, are you really getting in anybody's way? Like, I understand if somebody's under contract, you can't tamper with that person. But really, really, the season is over. You can't you can't even speak to them. Like, like, what is the downside of that? I don't think they're really I mean, I think it's over paranoia. I mean, I think it's from the owners wanting to make sure that, you know, the process gets respected and no one's jumping in. Yeah. Trying to take one of their. Uh, you know, free agents and and signing them to a contract out from underneath them. Um, I feel like it's one of those buffers that probably doesn't do much good, but makes the owners and the teams feel better that, well, at least we're like not the wild west out here of free agency. There are some rules, even though I don't think they're really enforce that strictly and closely. I I mean, I realize that in theory, you want to give teams the opportunity to re-sign their own, but still. 
Legal tampering, buddy. No other profession has such a phrase out there. Only the <laughs> National Football League. Anyway, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I wanted to have a little fun with that little legal tampering uh, period out there again. Uh, the t- 48 hour period before the league's uh, year begins on Wednesday, March 16th. And the Buffalo Bills, we found out uh, earlier this week just how dire their situation was when it came to the salary cap situation. Um, the bills were about $6.6 million over the cap before they made a couple of moves this week. And the key ones so far, they released uh, linebacker AJ Klein, which saved them about five and a half million dollars. They said goodbye to fan favorite and guard John Feliciano. That saves them a little more than $3 million in cap space. The Bills also restructured Matt Hawk's contract. I know a lot of people were bummed to hear the news that Hawk was coming back, um, <laughs> but when they decided to waive the guaranteed money. Um, they could basically keep him or, or cut him uh, when it comes to a training camp battle without losing much of anything besides can, a little bit of time. Can we address that before we move on? Because there's oh, please. Th- this this contract restructuring needs some context for people that don't understand why it happened. What the Bills did is they removed next year from the deal, and they also eliminated the $700,000 that they would be on the hook for should they cut him. So what the Bills basically did is they created an advantageous contract for themselves so that if they cut him, they have far less dead money. So what did the Bills do? They got themselves out from under a bad contract for a guy that they're unlikely to keep. This was a brilliant move. Why Matt Hawk agreed to it, I'm I'm not even sure. That That's definitely a good question, Mark, because, yeah, and I'm glad you explained it. I kind of glossed over it a little bit. But, yeah, the twofold victory, getting rid of the final deal next year, the final year of that contract, is essentially making him – a free agent after this year, if he's even still with the bills and that dead cap figure of 700,000 that you mentioned is important because every penny counts for the cash strapped Buffalo bills and GM Brandon Bean as they're trying to orchestrate a super bowl winning roster. So this lowers his cap number. And again, if the bills want to cut him, they're not going to have that dead money that counts against them uh, when it comes to their salary cap figure. So it's a one year league veteran minimum salary for someone who's a really good holder on extra points and field goals <laughs> and leaves a lot to be desired on net punting results. Yes. So there goes that that's one situation the bills can at least, and it also does help knowing that, you know, the bills can now with Hawk in place, if they want to, you know, draft the punt God, whoever that happens to be of this year's class with like a sixth round pick, it's healthy competition. If they want to bring in an undrafted free agent to compete with Hawk, it's not like they're going up and saying, we're going to squander this money by bringing in a punter competition and a punter duel. It makes a ton of sense for Bean. And like you said, very little sense for Matt Hawk. Unless he wants to win a ring so badly, he's willing to put finances on the back burner. Let me just throw one name at you. And we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but Matt Areza from San Diego State. Just remember that name. 
You heard it here first, hopefully, on Believe. Jamie D'Amico dropping some draft punt knowledge on you all. And we will, of course, like Jamie said, do a full-fledged, we'll pretend to be draft gurus for a couple hours and uh, give you our draft preview coming up, leading up to the draft, which is the last week in April. But here on Believe this week, we wanted to talk about free agency. And all legal tampering jokes aside, the Bills and Brandon Bean have a very difficult task ahead of them this offseason. So with those moves made, with the Hawk restructuring and with saying goodbye to Klein and Feliciano, along with bringing back Jake Kumaro on a very team-friendly deal, the Bills are sitting at about $3 million or so in cap space right now. That is not a lot of money uh, as the league is getting ready to go into its new year. But there's certain things that the Bills can continue to do that will help free up some money. And I have to give a lot of credit to Matt Warren at BuffaloRumblings.com. He went through um, and, and did a really good exercise on his offseason plan, what the Bills can do to restructure deals or release players. And I'm not going to go through the particulars. You can find the articles on BuffaloRumblings.com. But Every writer I've read who's put out a story on this subject, and that includes Joe Biscalia with The Athletic, Jay Skursky with The Buffalo News, our own Matt Warren. There's a ton of reporters who are going into this topic because the Bills need to get creative with their finances. And a lot of the moves come from converting Trey White's salary to a signing bonus, restructuring Mitch Morris's contract, restructuring possible deals with Daryl Williams and Star Latulale. When all of this is said and done, the Bills wind up somewhere between 30 and 35 million in cap space. That seems to be a very conservative number heading into the league year. With these deals, Stefan Diggs's deal can get redone and restructured too. So there's money to play with. So going under that figure of saying 30 to 35 million in available play money for Brandon Bean, we at Believe wanted to run through some moves we would make if we were Brandon Bean and we were shopping on the free agent list for the Buffalo Bills this offseason, knowing that this is still a year where Josh Allen's contract is not going to be in that $50 million range. The Bills are not going to be hamstrung by his quarterback salary this year. So really, the impetus is on the Bills to win now. With that being said, Jamie, give me, I'll let you start off. What is your top free agency move? If you're Brandon Bean, you would pursue this offseason. If I can sign a guy comfortably that's going to come in around $15 million a year, who do I want more than anybody? Well, I need somebody who can get after the quarterback. And to me, look no farther than a guy who has been amongst the NFL sack leaders over the past five years and continues to play at a high level. Yes, he's 32 years old. He's obviously on the downside of his career, but the dude puts up double-digit sack numbers like it's going out of style. I'm talking about Syracuse graduate Chandler Jones. You had to know I was going there first, right? Of course. I mean, and no surprise to you, I think we think very alike when it comes to this position. I'll let you give your rationale on Chandler Jones. I'm also very high on him, and I'm high on him for a couple of reasons, most notably a great quote that he gave on a podcast that I think will give a lot of credibility to coming to Buffalo. But lead us off, Jamie. Why is Chandler Jones Mr. Consistency when it comes to the pass rushing game? Why is he your top choice? He is my top choice because Chandler Jones 
in his, oh, what is it? His six-year, no, 10-year career, he has put up double-digit sacks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in 10, 10 years. 70% of his career, he's had double-digit sacks. He's gone as high as 17 and 19 sacks. The Bills desperately need somebody who can bust into the backfield that can't be handled in one-on-one blocking. This is the guy. The Bills are a pass rusher away from an elite defense, and here it is. It's waiting to be taken. I, I think Jones makes a ton of sense. I think I loved the stats on the sacks that you mentioned. He had 10 and a half last year. Uh, he was seventh in the league with 28 quarterback hits. Uh, he's had double-digit sack figures in, I believe, six of the last seven seasons. He forced six fumbles last year, and he's also incredibly durable. He's played at least 15 games six of the past seven years. So when you're paying a guy this premium of a salary, you need him to be on the field. And Chandler Jones at age 32 is still one of the most reliable, productive, and durable edge rushers out there. Now, you mentioned the Syracuse University product, and Chandler is of both of our hometowns of Rochester, New York. So a homecoming would make a ton of sense for him to come back to Buffalo. There really was a very inspiring quote. I, maybe I'm reading between the tea leaves too much, but there was a podcast uh, featuring Jordan Schultz where Chandler Jones was a guest, and he was talking about uh, where uh, Chandler Jones, um, what he's looking for in a team this offseason. Here's where the quote starts off. To be completely honest, it's not about money at all. Where I am at in my career, I've gotten contracts. I've gotten the Super Bowl. But I think scheme is huge and winning more championships. I will say it again. It's not about money. I will say I want to go to a place that maximizes my talents. To me, Jamie, when you think about what the Buffalo Bills offer and being again that one game-changing edge rusher away from... I mean, the Bills already are listed as the favorites to win the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos trading for Russell Wilson, uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers trading for Khalil Mack. You know, the Bills need to match what the Chargers have done in adding a top-notch edge rusher. And to me, Chandler Jones would be the perfect fit to come in there. His value in the contract too, by the way, I know that the bills are tight against the cap, but you could, he's not going to sign a discount, a discounted deal for pennies on the dollar, but you could easily get Chandler Jones for an average market value of 13 to 15 million per year on a three-year deal. It would take some uh, financial maneuvering by Brandon Bean, but I think let's make this happen. Come on. If he's willing to do it now, if I'm Chandler Jones, there's another reason I, I see the Buffalo Bills as enticing. He's going to extend his career by playing in Buffalo. Here's why. In Arizona, he has played over 80% of snaps, and he's been extremely healthy doing it, which is outstanding. But the Buffalo Bills' leading snap getter on the defensive line this past season was Jerry Hughes, who only played 53% of the snaps. So because of the heavy rotation that the Buffalo Bills use, Chandler Jones is likely to have less wear and tear on his body, which is going to allow him to play for maybe five more years, as opposed to you know the three years that you just discussed. If I'm Chandler Jones and I love playing football, I want to keep it going 
And that's how I'm going to keep it alive. It's a slam dunk no-brainer to both of us, especially when you think about the chance to come in. And can you imagine what type of, from everything I've read, I mean, Chandler Jones several times has been nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. He's an outstanding locker room presence. You get a, a guy like that to mentor a Greg Rousseau, uh, and, and some of the younger edge rushers that the Bills have on the roster, not only are you getting productivity and getting after the quarterback, you're getting a good dude who would love to play in Buffalo and win a Super Bowl with these young Bills. I think it makes all the sense in the world. I hadn't thought about the rotational snap breakdown like you mentioned, but if if you're someone who is Chandler, who has played, yeah, around 80 85% of his team snaps, even 90% uh, in recent years with the Cardinals, the chance to reduce the amount of snaps you're playing and still be even as productive as he was under a scheme that's fit for his talents and his strengths, it just makes so much sense in the world that the Bills have to find a way to make this happen. I think he's the perfect fit for Buffalo. I think the cap space is there. If you're gonna, If you're telling me, Jamie, the Bills make one splash in free agency – it's Chandler Jones. I mean, it's right. the positional fit matches, the scheme fit matches, and I think the desire is there too. It seem, seems like it to me. Um, it just all makes so much sense, but you're going to have to be better at selling the. You're going to have to be better at selling your team than the other teams are at selling theirs. So this is when McDermott and Bean are going to have to turn on the charm. Let's see how charming they actually are. Personally. I don't think Sean McDermott's a guy I'd want to go get a beer with, but that's just me. Now, I do want to say, Jamie, because obviously a lot of people are going to be after Chandler Jones, and there is a lot of hope because the Bills have been linked. There's all these supposed experts out there this time of year who are putting up smoke screens through agents and saying what they hear, but it legitimately seems like the Bills and Chandler Jones are becoming a high uh, probability source of being connected to each other. I do want to mention one other name that's not going to cost as much money as Chandler Jones, but I think would be just a, a, a smidge below the value that Jones would bring to the Buffalo Bills. And it's someone that the Bills are very familiar with. They've been terrorized by this guy for the last couple of years. It's Emmanuel Ogba, I was hoping you who I feel that. like could also be a really good addition to the Bills. Absolutely. The guy is good, and he's going to be less expensive, and he's been playing on crap teams. You'd think he'd want to, he'd want to play for a winner, wouldn't you? I mean, my goodness. I mean, he only got seven and a half mil per year with the Dolphins the last two years. He's twenty eight years old. His reach is fantastic. He's a tremendous athlete, and even if you look at him getting, say, ten to twelve million per year, which is what Spot Track is valuing him at. That still would be a massive bargain for a team like the Bills that, again, needs to hit a home run with their edge rusher addition. So if the Bills find a way to sign Ogba or Jones, either one, done. C- color me content. <laughs> I, I I think that that would be a great selection also. Um, you know, it, the, the knock against Chandler Jones is that he is very single-minded in going after the quarterback. Like, he... That's probably one of the reasons that the Patriots didn't keep him around is that he wasn't assignment sound, let's say. You wouldn't have that issue with Agba, I don't think. Yeah, Agba seems like he's a more balanced uh, type of threat. Um, but I feel like if the Bills re-sign Harrison Phillips, which we talked about last week, is a must for the internal free agents. 
Um, and the Bills rely on that rotational depth along the defensive line. I think they can easily get away with having a guy like Jones who only gets after the quarterback and find other pieces to fill in. Although it is troubling when you think of the 15 defensive linemen the Bills currently have, <laughs> only uh, or eight of them are, are unrestricted free agents. Only seven are under contract, right. I believe. Yeah, so that that room is going to look very different when they get into training camp. There, there's going to be a lot of new faces and a lot of different personalities, and it's it's going to be interesting to see what the defensive line looks like when we actually get into the season because, to me, there's really only four people that are given as far as going to be back, you're going to see the three young defensive ends and Ed Oliver and everything else is a wild card from there. Oh, for sure. A lot of change, a lot of turnover uh, in that room. Now I know Jamie, I gave you the, uh, the right of, of first uh, mention when it came to your top free agent. Do you want to go first again, or do you want to defer to me for my, for the next one we talk? I'd, about? Uh, I'd like to send it your direction this time, my friend. All right. There's a lot of positions that the Buffalo Bills could head uh, this free agency period. And we've got some high end free agent names like the Chandler Jones and Emmanuel Ogbas. We have some bargains out there as well that we're going to talk about. But for me, the next position I want to talk about, it's going to go back to the offensive side of the ball. And it's the tight end position. You saw the Buffalo Bills really get a, a reemergence, if you will, from Dawson Knox, who had a breakthrough season despite fracturing a bone in his right hand. Uh, he bounced back nicely from that injury, and the Bills really showed a penchant for running two tight end sets out there that helped open up the running game. It gave Josh Allen more time to throw the ball, and the Bills seemed to be a pretty effective offense when they had two tight ends on the field. Now, the tight end I'm going to throw your way, Jamie. He, he has definitely been mentioned uh, quite a bit in Western New York, and he's been linked to the Bills quite a bit, but it's not a Western New York native. I am not going to pull the Rob Gronkowski on you and say the Bills should sign the aging, uh, worn down Gronk to come back to Buffalo, even though I think that could work in certain scenarios, in certain circles. I'm going to go with a guy who is heavily rumored to go to the Bills the last couple of years. Evan Engram, the New York Giants tight end, who is going to come to Buffalo, I think, on a deal that is going to see him almost take over as a new Isaiah McKenzie of sorts. So do you see him as a tight end or as sort of the slash position, the uh, the slot receiver slash tight end slash H-back type? I see him as both. Um, I see him as being... He he definitely can still be your number two tight end. But when you look at the fact that almost 70% of his snaps were in the slot last yep. year, I mean, he's someone who could be a de facto replacement for Isaiah McKenzie, who you could also slide in and play your second tight end, who could still help uh, with your pass blocking as well. He's a pretty underrated pass blocker. I know Bruce Exclusive put out an article advocating for signing both Will Disley and Evan Ingram and sign me up yes. for that. I think that's a great, great plan because Disley would fit your TE2 and Engram could solely be freed up uh, to be your slot guy slash tight end slash H-back. But I think Engram, what I like about him is the fact that he's just such a matchup nightmare when he's on the field. His drops are not as bad as the reputation has been led to uh, be perceived of. He has a real, real bad reputation for drops, but it's not that bad. And he has drops for sure, but he's not somebody who is a, a fumble and drop machine. I 
for his career, he averages about 10%. And that's, I mean, it's not great, but it's something you can work with, I feel like. When you give in like right. this, the speed that Engbr- – I didn't realize his 40 time is the same as Isaiah McKenzie's. I mean, his speed burst yeah. – is right there. So you could get him in those jet sweeps that the Bills love to run. You could still have him going over the middle on quick release pass patterns for Josh Allen to find. I think that he makes a ton of sense for the Bills to bring in as that versatile, valuable hybrid tight end slash slot receiver. And I'm with you on that. He's a a player that has been getting press uh, uh, as going to the Bills and has been rumored that the Bills are interested in him as well. Now, we know Brandon Bean has a penchant for finding great athletes. And this guy, okay, he is 240 pounds. He ran the 40-yard dash in 4.42 seconds. That's just blazing for a guy that size. Now, I view him more as a slot receiver. And even if you play him exclusively at the slot, I think that you have an advantage. The likelihood of Cole Beasley coming back I think is low. Now that he has requested a trade and also he's probably making too much money going into next season, the Bills need to replace him. Now, this is not the same type of player that Cole Beasley is. He's not the very sudden burst, quick start, stop, change of direction guy that that Cole is. But... This is a guy who, as we talked about, he runs fast. He's going to be able to open up seam routes in ways that Cole Beasley hasn't. He will be a matchup nightmare because who do you who do you cover him with? Like, do you cover him with a linebacker? No. He's going to run away from the linebacker. You cover him with a defensive back? No. He's going to be way too big. He'll just post him up like a, like a center in basketball. But the other thing that I like about having him at slot receiver is... Physics. What do I mean by physics? Well, Cole Beasley, being such a small guy, is not a great blocker. He's too small. Evan Ingram, even if he doesn't have great technique, he still outweighs Cole Beasley by like 50 pounds or something like that or more. Maybe 60. So just getting him in the way and being that much larger, that means that blocking is going to improve on the running plays. He can actually take on a linebacker, whereas Cole Beasley can't. That might, in and of itself, improve the run game. Agree entirely. I think that his he's an improving blocker. He's only age 27, so you know that there's still a lot of peak years ahead for Ingram to continue to show his worth and his value. And I just think that what you mentioned earlier, the versatility and the fact that you can play him in a number of positions makes way too much sense for the Bills to not consider going after Ingram, especially when his value, his contract might be somewhere spot track again, has him around 6.5 to 6.7 million per season. And on a multi-year deal, the Bills can work with that figure. They can take that figure and get it down there to a more manageable number uh, when you factor in the incentives that might be coming Evan Engram's way. And just because the Bills were to sign Evan Engram doesn't mean that they wouldn't go after, again, a Will Disley or an O.J. Howard or somebody else to come in who is your more typical prototypical TE2 position. Just because Engram signs on board doesn't preclude the Bills from going after another valuable tight end. That's right. That's right. And I'm glad that you brought up Will Disley because he's a guy that I'm interested in having. What do you like about Disley? Give our audience a little background because I kind of... 
Yeah, Will Disley, 6'4", 265 pounds. This is your prototypical mauling, blocking tight end. This is a, a Lee Evans type that's more athletic than Lee Evans, and he's only 25 years old uh, as of the time of this recording. He'll be 26 going into next season. I, I want somebody out there who can who can bash it out, and instead of bringing in like Tommy Doyle to block, they could bring in a guy like Disley, who still does have the ability to break out and go into pass patterns. Now, he's not a great receiver. He only had 21 receptions. Uh, for 231 yards last year, but that's still 11 yards per reception. So you know he can he can catch the ball when it's thrown to him. And I just I think that the Bills needs. I don't want to just bring in finesse players. I want to bring in some tough guys. I loved Reggie Gilliam in part because he hit guys so hard when he was on the field. Well, that's that's what I think Will Disley could bring to the team a physicality. I like it. I think Will Disley would make a lot of sense. I also feel like you might, maybe the Bills, if they decide to only sign one tight end free agent, they could draft a tight end as well. Uh, They've shown a penchant for spending those mid to late round picks on guys like a Tommy Sweeney. I still am among the camp of people that feel that Reggie Gilliam is going to have a large role on this offense uh, in 2022 because of how well the team ran the ball. Uh, with him when he was on the field in that blocking back. And he, I think he has an underrated set of hands as well. So you could see a lot of movement and turnover um, in the tight end position with the Bills bringing in some new guys you know, this offseason as well. But again, we've given you some options. There's a ton to play with out there, I think, if you're the Buffalo Bills. And the, the only thing the Bills might have to watch out for is the contract value of some of these guys because you look at the tags that uh, David and Joku signed with the Browns, uh, yeah. that Mike Jacecki signed with the Dolphins and that Dalton Schultz with the Cowboys. It was one year, almost $11 million. So the price is going up, but I think the bills could leverage uh, some things about their position and their chance to win now to make a move to bring in Engram. And like you said, have Brandon Bean outsell the competition. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, I've got another one for you that I don't think the Bills would do, but it's somebody who's on my list, and it might surprise you a little bit. Who you got? I think that the Bills are going to lose their CB2 this offseason. I just think that he's set up to cash in. And there is another corner out there that doesn't do exactly what the Bills do, and that's exactly why I want him. He has the length and the size that the Bills covet. But the Bills are mostly a zone team. 
and they seem to believe that they only need one good corner and then they can find system guys. And I, I can't argue with that. But I really want them to bring in somebody who's better in press coverage, who can knock receivers off the route, and give them the option of playing more man-to-man. Because if you can mix up your defense and and really confuse the quarterback as to what's coming next, I think you have a distinct advantage. And I would love to see the Bills go after Charvarius Ward of the Chiefs. He's young. I mean, I think Ward and Wallace are both age 26. Um, and and what's interesting, Jamie, that you bring up Ward, I, I did a little research on on him as well. I like what you mentioned about him being a different fit for what the Bills want to do on defense. And he's going to be probably in the same salary range of that nine to 10 million per season. So if you're going to go and open up the bank and bring back a CB2, why not go for someone who is more physical uh, like Ward is, uh, who has a, a lower completion percentage against than who Ward does? I mean, the numbers are pretty stark, Jamie, when you compare these two. Um, I don't know if you have those offhand, but I got them if you want to hear them. Yeah, I want to hear them. All right. So especially looking at the second half of their 2021 seasons, there were 72 corners who played at least half of their team's snaps. Ward was fourth of all cornerbacks, completion percentage against a 51%. Levi Wallace's was 60.4. Ward also had two interceptions, 11 pass breakups, and only had four missed tackles to his credit, numbers that are much better than what Levi Wallace did. And I think that Ward is on the cusp of breaking through and breaking out, and Levi might have reached uh, his ceiling, if you will, with the bit. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that's a perfect move for Ward to come back, especially when why would you go with somebody that you know, um, but again, the the ceiling is kind of limited versus a guy like Ward who just jumps off the charts at you. Right. And, you know, Levi Wallace is a system player. He really can only play in his own. Uh, We've seen what happens to him when he's going up against larger bodied receivers. And, you know, Ward being 6'1 himself and 195 pounds this is a guy that when you're going up against dudes like A.J. Brown uh, is going to be able to push back on them a little bit more. Now, Jamie, I'm glad you brought up the the cornerback role because I had a, a bunch of guys here under my cornerback wish list that I want to talk about here on, on Bill Leave. And the reason I'm bringing up these names, they're not your top tier corners because under at least what we've talked about so far, the Bills are going to commit some serious change to bring it in if it's Chandler Jones or Emmanuel Ogba at the edge rusher. We know the Bills are going to spend on at least one of their positions. They're going to have to go bargain hunting as well to find some good guys Mm -hmm. to come in and fill some of the voids. I've got two names at cornerback. If the Bills don't get Charvarius Ward, who I like a lot and I think is, is a really the crown jewel, if you will, for what the Bills would look for in their secondary. But here's two names I want you to toss back and forth in your head and marinate and see how you feel about them. They're going to be very cap friendly, but they're also going to be going back to the zone based defense. But I think these are better athletes who would play better in the zone than Levi Wallace. One of them is Joe Hayden and the other is Casey Hayward. Mm -hmm. Getting up there in age, but good players. Joe Hayden, at one point in time, was one of the fastest players in the NFL. 
And he still would be a great fit, I feel like. I mean, he's he's and here's here's one of the reasons I like the Joe Hayden signing. If the Bills were to do it, one, his value is not that high right now. He's not going to be commanding a massive contract because he's 32 or 33 years old. Mm -hmm. But Joe Hayden has made it clear that he wants to win a Super Bowl towards the tail end of his career. He has not had a lot of success uh, in that regard, being a Cleveland Brown and a Pittsburgh Steeler for his whole career. He's somebody who's experienced. He can get by with the fact that he's athletic. He might not, he might've lost a step, but I think he's still a very good physical corner. He's still athletic. His instincts are phenomenal. And he's a really, he plays long. He plays tall, which fits in nicely to this Bill's zone scheme. And especially if the Bills were able to go after, I saw somewhere a Joe Hayden contract of one year, $2 million. I mean, you have nothing to lose by making that kind of move. That's a no brainer. I mean, think what they paid uh, the last time for a guy who was at near the end of his career. What's his name? I, I can't even think of it right now. The guy oh, got Mr. blown Quitting up. Mr. Quitting at halftime, Vontae Davis? Or, no, uh, no, no. Far more recently than that. The dude oh, that Josh got, Norman. Josh Norman, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I never pass up a chance to take a dig at Vontae Davis. In fact, I'm going to quit this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we're beyond halftime. Uh, anyway, um, you know, both of them, Joe Hayden is the superior athlete of the two and really has has the pedigree. But, you know, they, they both have, as you mentioned, something in common, which is decent length. They're both 5'11". That's good. Uh, they're both tipping the scales at close to 200 pounds. Uh, they're, they're both over 190. Uh, that That is kind of what I'm looking for. And if they are dedicated to tackling on running plays, we, we know Levi Wallace does that well. He, he sells out to stop the run. If these guys are able to do that, I think spending $2 million on them is just an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, when you given when you factor in what the Bills need out of that quarterback, and given the fact, too, as much as we're reading that Trey White is making great progress, there's still a chance he's not going to be ready for the season opener. And mm -hmm. if that's the case, you want the Bills to have a veteran who can step in and play at a pretty high level, and I expect the Bills to draft a cornerback very high uh, this year with maybe their first or their second round pick to get that great cover boundary corner uh, that can be there that when Trey White gets that next contract, uh, he steps in and is a younger version of Trey White. The Bills can never have enough you know, good corners. So I think they're going to spend a lot of resources on cornerback this offseason. And, you know, somebody who is probably going to get more money, in fact, a lot more money um, than Hayward uh, Ward or sorry, Hayward or Hayden. One more name to throw at, at you is a big guy who I think would also fit very well in the Bills scheme, and it's Rasul Douglas, uh, oh, who is yeah. another good name to look out for. Out of uh, Green Bay, right? You got it. Yep. He's uh, He was a – I mean, the, the Packers signed him off of a practice squad for crying out loud, and his numbers, he's six foot two, almost 210. He's only 27 years old. His passer rating against was 44.2. He had as many pick sixes as he had touchdowns against him, too. I mean, this guy <laughs> is a legit stud. Yeah, and he was buried on the depth chart. You know, I mean, you look at his career stats, and it's like, wait a minute, where has this guy been? Um, 
you know, he's he bounced around the league. He was a backup a lot. You know, it just it didn't seem like his career was going in any specific direction for the longest time. And then, bam! I mean, five interceptions in 12 games. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's that's having a nose for the ball. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say so. And, you know, he's huge. He's he's almost Richard Sherman's size. He's a couple inches shorter, but you know teams love that. And he's probably going to price himself above. In fact, he will price himself above. You know some of the cheaper veteran options. But I have no problem with the Bills pursuing a Rasul Douglas as a type to bring in as that CB two, who I think has a higher ceiling than Levi Wallace and might not cost as much. Yes. At the same time, I feel like there is greater risk to somebody like that because he's only really shown it once with the exception of 2018. He had three interceptions played in uh, 16 games that year. So yes, he can catch the ball when it comes to him, but do you, do you roll the dice on somebody who had one really good season? Yeah, maybe, maybe with those terms being laid out there, I think it might make more sense then to go for either a Ward, a Hayden, or a Hayward. Um, And in that order, too, I think you brought up the best name for the budget with Charvarius Ward. Then I'm just still high on Joe Hayden. I think he'd be a great guy to bring in there, especially at the cost. Uh, Cost benefit, yeah. You you can't go wrong with that. For I I agree because you have to you have to take a cost benefit analysis mindset to this, and. Am I going to get that much more out of Charvarius Ward than I would Joe Hayden for an extra $7 million? I don't know that you would. I, I don't know that you're going to get $7 million more worth of production out of Ward. Yep, I'm with you. I feel like you got to really factor that in very carefully when it comes to you know the contracts that Bean's going to hand out once March 16th rolls around. What other position, Jamie, do you want to talk about? Because I've got one or two more, but I, I want to turn it back to you now. Who's uh, who's on your hot stove radar? Uh, really, it was defensive end, tight end, and corner. I'm I have exhausted my uh, my resources here, w- with one exception. I think you can get a good running back for under four million dollars. I would be willing to uh, to look into Leonard Fournette. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, what makes Fournette? I mean, I know he's a he's a winner and he's a, still a very talented running back. What makes him somebody? Because you're going to have to spend a little bit of money to bring Fournette to Buffalo. Yeah, he played last season for uh, like three and a half million dollars, which I don't think is an awful lot of money. I just think that he has a he's more athletic than what the Bills have on the roster right now. And I would be very interested to see what could happen if you put somebody that has more foot speed on the field and a little bit more size. He's like I said, the, the pedigree is there with him. And though he's not a great running back, I think that you would see him average more yards per carry than you would get out of Singletary or Moss. So you'd be signing him to be your number one running back, or at least your one, a sharing with Singletary. I think you can do better than Singletary. Yes. All right. That's, that's an interesting take because I don't know. I mean, so you're 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 not sold on the progress that Singletary made as being permanent and carrying over to 2022. I love everything I see about Devin Singletary with the exception of he's just not that great of an athlete and I want to see 
I want to see more. Um, and it's going to be the physical limitations that prevent him from getting there. Either I want him to have the exact same movement skills, but an extra 10 or 15 pounds on him, or I want to see him improve his 40 time by three tenths of a second. That's not going to happen either. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's not. <laughs> right. So I, to me, he's a great RB2, a low-end RB1. I would love to see what this offense could do with a middle-of-the-road running back. Well, and there's also a possibility. I mean, there's a ton. The thing with the running backs, there are so many names that are out there because running backs are really a dime a dozen you know, these days. And it's not like you're going to have to spend a ton of money, you know, to bring somebody in. You could break the bank and, and get Fournette for sure. Um, One guy I am not advocating for is Corderell Patterson as great of a season as he had last year. He is too erratic for my tastes. You talk about somebody who really has been a a revelation uh, in the past. He was so up and down after being drafted. He was, inconsistent with the Vikings and with the bears. Mm -hmm. And then he catches lightning in a bottle in his ninth pro season. I feel like some team's going to open up and back up the Brinks truck for him. And it's going to be way too expensive for the bills, especially if he's getting as high as 8 million a year as spot track is uh, guesstimating at. Yeah, that would be ridiculous for a guy who doesn't really have a position. Um, You know, I, I know I advocated for Leonard Fournette, but if we're being realistic, about who the Bills might bring in. How would you feel about a J.D. McKissick from the Washington Commanders? See, I like McKissick because he is, and I I fully buy into Singletary. I want to preface that by saying, I think with the offensive line combo that the Bills had out there and the style that they ran with, I thought Singletary was a beautiful uh, back for what the Bills needed. I like McKissick because he is just such a dangerous weapon out of the backfield. Uh, He's a great pass catcher. He's a great runner on draws and design runs up the middle. Um, If the bills bring in a JD McKissick or even like a Marlon Mack type, who by the Mm -hmm. way, scored 18 total touchdowns from scrimmage uh, two years ago uh, in the 2018 and 2019 seasons, he's kind of been squeezed out uh, due to the emergence of Jonathan Taylor, but you could have him for a two to $3 million contract at most per year. I think Marlon Mack or JD McKissick makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that. I think that's pretty good scouting on your part. Well, thanks, buddy. I try. Now, another topic, I've got two more positions, really one position and one player that I want to hit on. Okay, um, give it to me. And I'm going to do rapid fire here. You give me your instant reaction to this. This topic has been a lightning rod on social media, and I don't understand the animosity towards it. I am all for bringing in Team Fitzy to back up Josh Allen. Why do people not want Fitzy back as the backup? Oh, my God. Hashtag bring Fitz home. Yes, absolutely. There is no signing I want more than Ryan Fitzpatrick back in Buffalo. Okay, I understand you don't want your backup quarterback to be more popular than your starter. But um, hello, Josh Allen is otherworldly. I know that there will be idiots calling call-in shows after games in which Allen throws three interceptions saying, well, it's time to bring Fitz in the game. But shut up. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Just shut your pie hole. I mean, I think that Fitzy – look, now the, the key caveat for this is Fitzy has to want to have to be a backup quarterback. 
Yes. He has to know that he's not going to be starting unless the Bills are in a pinch and Allen goes down and then it's Fitz magic time. This is a Fitzy wanting to finally get a playoff win to make the playoffs and to win a Super Bowl, which he's never got to experience uh, in his career. I just think if you talk about someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has clearly invested his money that he's earned very well based on that Harvard degree, he's not hurting for money. If you throw two to three million at Fitzy and say, look, you can be our backup quarterback. You can lead this glorious Bills team uh, down the parade, the Hall of Champions as the Bills win the Super Bowl and you're the backup quarterback for that team. I mean, my gosh, we talk about no-brainers. To me, that's the biggest one of all. Is Fitzy going to win the Super Bowl for you single-handedly? Of course not, but he's not going to sink the ship. I think people think of Fitzy as solely being the interception thrower that kills a comeback. This Fitzy is more mature than that. He's not the gunslinger trying to force passes into tight windows that he was when he was running the Chan Gailey offense. To me, it's a perfect fit. The chemistry is there. The bond is there with Fitzy in the city of Buffalo. Brandon Bean, I know you listen. Make this happen. Hashtag bring Fitz home. <laughs> Can we please get that going? And all of you listeners out there, hashtag bring Fitz home. Do it. Make it. it happen. You all, you know you want to see it. My gosh, if Fitzy is out there. Now, granted, he wasn't out there for the whole game like some of the fans we saw at the wild card game. But what other team has another starting quarterback from another team go to their playoff game shirtless, outdoors, not in the cushy luxury boxes? I mean, Fitzy is Buffalo yeah. as more than anybody else I can think of. Although I've got to say, based on his physique, Without that shirt on, I'm not sure he's in playing shape anymore. <laughs> the dad bod? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's there. Now, maybe we could blame the cold. I've had shrinkage, too. <laughs> hey, now, if you need help on Believe talking about your shrinkage, Jamie is at G- the Jamie D'Amico <laughs> on Twitter. Give him some <laughs> feedback segue. and comments, buddy. <laughs> Well, as much as my common sense tells me to wrap up this podcast on that note, I do want to put out one more position that I feel like needs to be addressed here through free agency. And it's the wide receivers, because right now, as much as we talked about the defensive line having a ton of turnover, the wide receivers are going to be missing Cole Beasley for the most part, it seems like. Isaiah McKenzie's probably not coming back unless he agrees to take a very team-friendly deal. And Emmanuel Sanders is an unrestricted free agent. The Bills brought back Jake Kumaro, who is a nice special teams piece, but he's not someone you want to be banking on for significant reps at wideout. Is Agreed. there a wide receiver, Jamie, that you're thinking of that can fit into the budget that you would want Brandon Bean to pursue? I can't say that there's anyone that really excites me um, you know, Christian Kirk and Michael Gallup uh, sort of come to mind. Um, I'm not as thrilled with guys like Juju Smith-Schuster because they're very, he's very similar in skill set to Gabriel Davis. Um, the same with uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, I can't say that this wide receiver group really excites me. Yeah, I feel like MVS, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, and Juju Smith-Schuster as the outside wide receivers don't make a ton of sense. Elevate Gabe Davis. He's your number two. 
focus on the slot, which is where, again, Evan Engram can come into play. And a guy, Jamie, that I've been really high on, Christian Kirk is okay. I mean, he's 25. Uh, he's a, a very good slot receiver. Um, I'm not sure what he's going to command on the open market. Last year, he had almost 1,000 yards and 77 catches. He's a really young free agent, but I wonder how much he benefits from having you know, DeAndre Hopkins and the rest of those talented Cardinals right. receivers. The guy I want to go with has played with virtually no quarterback presence and has still put up really good numbers, and he contributes in the return game. I think Braxton Berrios makes a ton of sense for the Bills to sign, especially if they lose Beasley and McKenzie. Especially when you can bring in a guy that can contribute to the return game. I I think you have to go with that. That's something that the Bills have been lacking very clearly. Now, could they bring back Andre Roberts for that role? I mean, potentially so. But, you know, Roberts doesn't give you anything on the field downs one through three. And I think Barrios, what makes sense to me, Jamie, is his production. I mean, you're with this Bills offense and with the plethora of weapons at Josh's disposal, you're not looking for your slot man to catch a thousand yards and 85 passes. I mean, Barrios has good hands to begin with. He's not yeah. a he, he's not a drop guy. He's a possession guy. Uh, he's not a yak guy, which I know the Bills want to get more of that this year, but he still is a very good receiver. Um, who I think could really grow into that role. And especially when you figure his cap figure estimate is 2.5 million per year. That's a really good number to go off of for someone who can contribute as both a pretty solid receiver and he's a very good return man. I think he makes a lot of sense for the Bills to pursue. That does make a lot of sense. Now, you're not holding against him the fact that he was a Jet, huh? Nope. I, you know, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, I'm not going to hold Zach Wilson and Mike White and the sins of Jets quarterbacks past. <laughs> I think that's I think it says something that he was even able to have the numbers that he did, uh, given the inept signal callers uh, leading the Jersey Jets. Yeah, well, I mean, he had 46 receptions over 400 yards. That's not bad. It's not bad when you're when you figure out that it's again, Diggs and Davis and Knox and Engram, and he would be slotting as like the fifth receiving option. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot to like there for the uh, for the price tag. And you're not going to break the bank for a Michael Gallup or a Juju Smith-Schuster. No. You know, those guys are just way too expensive. I don't like Juju's diva antics. I don't want him anywhere near the Bills. So right. that's kind of my remedy. And again, the Bills will draft a wide receiver because this draft class, I mean, what's the number one position the Bills have been linked at at number 25? It's wide receiver. I mean, the Bills could easily go for a Jamison Williams or, you know, one of those really top-notch wideouts with their first round pick or a cornerback, a CB2. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to shake out because it's going to be an interesting offseason. Being up against salary cap the way the bills are, there's going to be a lot of kicking the can down the road, and let's just hope that they do it in an intelligent way. I, Of course, you want to see them go all in on winning the Super Bowl, but Brandon Bean has made it very clear he wants to be responsible and build a sustained winner, not one that's going to have severe ups and downs. So we should brace ourselves for there not being too many free agent moves. Well, of course, the free agency period begins 
with, again, the legal tampering period starting on Monday, and then free agency begins at 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, March 16th. You can get involved. Give us your feedback on this topic, Bills fans. We want to hear from you. Besides, hashtag bring Fitz home. What do you want to see the Bills do in free agency? Uh, what's your position that you really are sold on where the Bills need to bring in some talent? And who are some of the guys that are must-haves in this free agent market? Get involved on this story when it posts on buffalorumblings.com. And also tweet at Jamie and I. We love to engage with our fans on this app called the Twitter, the bird app that's here to stay. Jamie is the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. For my esteemed and venerable colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am signing off for Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.